0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 10th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. Open societies learn from other societies. As Islam turned inward centuries ago, it was in many ways left behind culturally and technologically. Cato's Mustafa Akheol discusses some of the elements of this shift in his new column in the New York Times. We spoke last week. Who cares where the numbers we use come from? Uh, why, why is this something that people are concerned about? Well,
1: in a sense, you wouldn't care. I mean, people borrow ideas from each other. Civilizations borrow ideas from each other. But then people think, oh, it's only our civilization which has produced these things. Then they started to take a position that I call civilizational nationalism. And to break that kind of uh, bias, uh, I think you need to sometimes look into the sources of wisdom that has been transferred from one place to another in human history. Uh, I see a lot of emphasis uh, among uh, Western conservatives, in particular American conservatives, uh, on Judeo-Christian tradition and Judeo-Christian values. And of course, it's important. I mean, Judeo-Christian values, I mean, biblical values, I mean, they, they certainly infuse into Western civilization. And Uh, They were abused sometimes, but they were also helpful for abolishing slavery or like, for example, Martin Martin Luther King's, for example, interpretation values like that. But uh, I wanted to say, well, the West had inputs from others as well. And those others especially include the civilization that is seen as most at odds with the West today, which is Islam. That's so, why they are called Arabic numerals, and there's a history behind that. Let's look into that history. So that was my uh, the gist of my article.
0: Let's take it at face value and say, okay, well, only the contributions that uh, Europeans have made to the world ought to be the ones that we make use of. We need to get rid of all tariffs, right? Yeah, because I'm, that's a that's a word that we've taken from uh, the Arab languages.
1: Indeed. Well, it might be a good idea to get rid of tariffs. That's a different <laughs> thing. But it but that term itself. Tariff comes from ta'arif, uh, which is an Arabic word, which is to make known or to designate. Uh, and in the article, I explained that. Uh, I mean, this is there are many words in English today, like alcohol, actually comes from Arabic,
0: you know, like booze. And uh, well, now you're going too far. I can't, okay. We can't give up the alcohol.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, alchemy. I mean, algebra, algorithm. These English or French you know, words have, and the word check. I mean, the the paper you get from a bank. Well, it's disputed, but some scholars at least think that it comes from the Arabic word suk, which is a bond, a written document. It's used still in Arabic as sukuk, which is bonds in 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 so called Islamic banking. So uh, the, there are these roots and. Behind that phenomenon, there is a reality, which is, hmm, 1,000 years ago, Muslims were quite productive. They were inventors. They were pioneers in in mathematics and geometry and science and, and medicine and all that. So Islam could produce a pretty brilliant civilization, which was also quite, for its own time, tolerant and pluralistic.
0: When you talk to uh. Smart Muslims about uh, the contributions of uh, Islamic civilization. How much do how much pride do they take in these things that happened many hundreds of years ago? Well, most Muslims are proud
1: of the medieval accomplishments of the Islamic civilization. Uh, they sometimes see a lot of power in there. Like, oh, we were militarily great. For me, that is not that important. Plus, it was derivative. I mean, you had military might because actually you had better technology. So we should look into that technology. Um, But but one thing I underline in the article is that we Muslims are proud that 1,000 years ago, our civilization was really the most advanced in the world. But we don't think enough what happened to it. And why it declined. And uh, I mean, something. some people think, oh, we became sinners, so God punished us. We became less pious. I mean, this is the typical argument of the people we call Islamists. They see human history as a like an arena where God gives victory to this or that people. Uh, and they think that God gave victory to the West because we're not pious enough. So, we have to be more pious. So, we should force all women to cover their heads. We should make everybody pray on time so that God will give us victory again. So, that's obviously a wrong interpretation in my view. And I want to say, well, what made us great once was things called free speech, uh, rule of law.
0: They weren't called as such at the time, but we had the seeds of those values. What then uh, do you view as the relationship between tolerance? Uh, You said that as Islamic society was making a lot of contributions to civilization, um, they were also fairly tolerant. What's the relationship? The relationship is this. Early Islamic civilization, for its
1: own time, was tolerant in the sense that it accepted that Jews and Christians can remain as Jews and Christians and live in Muslim society. They don't have the exact equal rights, but still, just tolerating them as such was a big deal. And these Jews and Christians who were the pre-existing communities in the Middle East. Had traditions; they had traditions of philosophy. Eastern Christians were the ones who translated Aristotle and other Greek thinkers into languages like Syriac or Aramaic. So, when Muslims tolerated these people, rather than destroying them or you know forcing them to convert or flee. They could learn from them. And you see this in this great institution called House of Wisdom, bayt al-Hikmah, which was established in Baghdad under the Abbasid Caliphate, which is very much the core of at least the beginning of this big Islamic scientific uh, advance. And there were Muslims certainly rule, ruling, I mean running the institution, but there were a lot of Christians employed. So those Christians were given pretty good salaries for their time. And since they knew Syriac, they could translate from that or from Greek to to Arabic. So the very fact that Muslims tolerated non-Muslims allowed them to learn from non-Muslims. And they learned from Hindus as well. They learned from uh, other, I mean, Greeks. I mean, they could read Aristotle. I mean, and, and Aristotle was kind of a, almost like a god divinely ordained like a thinker. Uh, there's a famous story like one of the caliphs who established the Baith uh, bait al-Hikmah or the House of Wisdom. He saw Aristotle in his dream and Aristotle like a prophet appeared to him and spoke about the reason and, and, and the wisdom it brings. So that allowed Muslims. But that kind of mentality became grovingly marginalized in Islam. There is a time between the 8th and 12th century Centuries that you had these philosophers who were think, uh, thinking about studying, translating, and commenting on these uh, pre-existing traditions. They learned from Jewish and Christian traditions, Greeks, but that gradually became marginalized. And a lot of Muslims started to think, "What we have is enough." Right? Other sources of wisdom—they're not wisdom. They're gonna—they're gonna, um, they're gonna uh, lead us astray. And philosophy was delegitimized. Uh, uh, I mean, we are generally proud of the books of Averroes, Muslims. I mean, he was the great medieval Muslim thinker in the 12th century, Spain, who actually introduced Aristotle to Europe, so he's pretty big. But his own books on Aristotle were burned in Cordoba because it was heresy. That's why we don't have the Arabic versions of the originals of those books. We have their Latin and Hebrew translations, which influenced Europe pretty impressively. So I think Muslims need to go back and think why why we became more close, uh, sorry, less close-minded. And it has a lot to do with how we understand theology, how we understand reason, how much room we create for reason.
0: Mustafa Akiol is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.